Hello there. This is Jolie Bindo from the Hollow Chronicles of a Jedi podcast. You're listening to the Old Republic podcast. Please like and subscribe on Apple Podcast and Spotify. Leave a five-star rating review, and Brian and Cassia will feature it on the pod. Now, enjoy the show, and may the Force be with you, always. We are the Old Republic Podcast. Spoiler alert for everything Star Wars under the Twin Suns. The question is what choice? Rebellions are built on hope. Make ten men feel like a hundred. I'm one with the Force, the Force is with me. Who? What? When? Where? And why? Is the Narshada? How are you, Brian? And, uh, what do you think about Narshada? Uh, I am doing excellent, thank you, uh, very much. Uh, I hope everyone out there listening is doing well, and, uh, yeah, welcome back to our KOTOR 2 travel journals. We are, uh, headed to Narshada, and what do I think about Narshada? I think it is a really, uh, interesting, really, uh, dark and dreary place that, you know, is going to take us into the, the annals of the city. Uh, we're gonna learn a lot about our our uh, crew of the Ebonhawk this time around, learn more about Mitra Surik and uh, pick up a couple new uh, passengers and uh, be on our way. But Narshada, I think, is a really interesting place. What do you think about it? Yeah, Narshada, it's kind of like the lower levels of Coruscant, but that's like the top part of the planet is the lower levels of Coruscant, and it just kind of like goes down from there, I guess, a little bit like a little bit like the levels of hell, you know? Mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. So I I kind of think we're ripe to see just some Narshada, whether it's in animation or in live action in, in a TV show or a movie in the future. And how I was introduced to Narshada was The Force Unleashed. And I think we have a little bit of a, a Easter egg clip if you want to hear that. But... Um... Starkiller is kind of like meeting Juno Eclipse and he's like, well, can you take me to Narshada? Because he has no social skills. And I'm like, it just kind of <laughs> stuck with me. You know, I'm like, yeah. Now you'll be able to spy on any suspect ships within the entire system. You are one of Vader's spies. You don't need to know anything about my missions except where I'm going. Now I need to jump to Narshada. Can you handle that? Of course. Yeah, so uh, where did you learn about uh, Narshada? Yeah, uh, so on a side note, I don't even need to play Force Unleashed now because I have uh, Cassia able to reenact it for me, which is even better. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure. But uh, yeah, Narshada, uh, a.k.a. the Smuggler's Moon. Uh, it is a moon of Nalhutta, uh famous for being uh, basically where the, the Hutt crime syndicate and all of their bounty hunters and, and stuff reside. And I think probably my first actual introduction to it, uh, you know, kind of just thinking off of the top of my head, was probably KOTOR 2. Um, I mean, it's a location that you go to in the game, obviously. That's why we're uh talking about it but Narshada has a long um history in Star Wars so it's kind of first mention was in the uh 1970 well it came out in 1978 but it was the original like comic run 
for Star Wars in episode 16 had a mention to it and then just, you know, tons of mentions in Legend material. And, uh, you know, all you Legends fans out there, don't don't be too worried because there's also been a ton of mentions of it um, in the, you know, canon stuff and in, in books and in uh, shows, everything, tons and tons of mentions of it. It is the home world of Ara Singh, everyone's favorite uh, bounty hunter. Uh, so that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. But yeah, I think the first time I learned of Nar Shadda, was stepping off of the Ebon Hawk and uh, experiencing it for myself in KOTOR 2. Yeah, and it's a it's a good introduction uh, point, I, I would say. So our last travelogue was Telos, I believe. And then after you get to Telos, Atris kind of tasks you with finding the Jedi Masters and and I think I believe you can go in any order uh, to any planet, but I mm-hmm. think like the traditional starting point planet uh, when you kind of have free reign in Kotor Two is Narshada because you're introduced to more characters there, um, and um, so did I miss any of the how did we get to Narshada or? No, you uh, no, you pretty much nailed it. Yeah, we're coming coming from Telos, and yeah, got tasked with with finding the scattered Jedi Masters. And at this point of the game, right, you go to uh, uh, Paragus, and then to uh, Telos and the Citadel Station. That's kind of that's kind of planned out for you. But then from that point, you can go to anywhere you want. But yeah, if you play it kind of in the most I don't know, chronological and most uh, getting the most out of the story. Narshada is going to be your next stop. And, you know, that makes sense. It seems like Narshada would be a place where secrets are kept. So if you're looking for, you know, lost Jedi Masters, this might be a good place to uh, start out. Yeah. And who do we meet there? Um, We meet some, we meet a Jedi Master, not to spoil anything too much. And then we, we meet some companions and some, adversaries um who who do we meet that you think is cool yeah so we meet uh meet some adversaries so uh, we actually um meet a, a couple people because there's a couple of different sections of of Narshada. So you've got like the refugee sector um which are you know according to legend there's like millions of refugees that have been displaced onto Nalhada. Uh, from, you know, as a result from the Mandalorian and Jedi Civil War. So we meet a lot of uh, refugees. Uh, we go, there's like an entertainment sector. So we meet a bunch of like Pazak players. Um, and then there's like the kind of the upper level where Voga the Hut is, who I guess runs this section. So we meet uh, Voga the Hut and kind of get to do a little bit of side mission stuff, carry over from uh, Telos uh, there. But I, we meet kind of three important characters for our story. Or three that I, three that I can think of, um, uh, and that is Mira and Hanhar, and then uh, everyone's favorite droid, uh, Go to Godo, Go to Godo. I don't know, one of those. I call him Godo. Um, Godo, yeah. Even though they're probably like the proper name is G O T O, and I'm like, no one has time to pronounce that, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah. and Goto. If you watch our YouTube channel, was the companion I ended up being most like. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. That's who I would choose. Yeah, so. that's that's right. I think what that really is saying is that you are the most like Mitra Surik because, you know, Godot decides to go 
with us because of Mitra Surik. So I think that that, you know, is reflective on, on you being the most like our uh, protagonist here. But um, yeah, definitely some interesting characters for sure. Um, just to kind of run through a little bit of background here. So Mira, um, I think is really um, uh, kind of interesting and she will join the party if you are playing as a female exile, I believe. Is that right? Um, it's actually if you are a light-sided or a neutral exile. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. There you go. See, even I learned something. But uh, Mira's story is really interesting because she was like an orphan and was adopted um, into a Mandalorian family. But uh, bummer, uh, her Mandalorian family uh, all lost their lives. So Malachor Five, when the Shadow Generator uh, activated. So um, she actually ended up being a refugee. And that's how she ended up on Nar Shaddaa in the first place. So I think that kind of her backstory is very interesting and ultimately how she found her way into and into the company basically of you know someone who you know started this uh mass disaster that you know displaced her from her family yeah and just when you hear mira's story it, it tugs at the heartstrings and i think some people could say mira's story is all over the place but for me it kind of goes all over the place in ways that make sense and kind of contrasting that with uh at and Rand's story which kind of feels all over the place like maybe he's mm -hmm. not the most reliable narrator you know but yeah. like sometimes i'm just like this doesn't quite add up which maybe it doesn't quite add up because he's not the reliable narrator but i just kind of found it interesting yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and then, you know, adversary to Mira, we have uh, Hanhar, who is another uh, bounty hunter. Do you know what, uh, what can you tell us about Hanhar? Cassie, any, any uh, interesting bits about him? He is not fun to be around. <laughs> um, I, it's not an adorable teddy bear uh, Wookiee. It's like a, this is a rabid grizzly bear, stay away from it kind of Wookiee. And... Uh, he is very, I guess, obsessed with Mira because he doesn't like having a life debt to her. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, Mira is against killing. So it's just an interesting dynamic they have. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's, that's really funny. He describes it exactly like I have one line here for Hanhar. Um, and it says, not a nice guy wants to kill Mira, but bad news. Mira saved his life once. So Wookiee life debt. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, that's that's Hanhar. Um, I wonder. Um, I couldn't find anything, but I don't know if Hanhar was any sort of like inspiration for uh, Black Crescenten, who um, you know most people probably recognize from Book of Boba Fett, but I think was introduced in like the Doctor Afra comics. Um, you know, kind of a kind of a similar uh, sort of Wookie uh, there, I guess, um, in that sense. And then um, obviously uh, go to, go to um, our droid companion uh, was like a supercomputer sort of thing. Uh, you know, akin to like Jarvis from Iron Man. Uh, basically, yeah. it was basically it was made for the Republic to uh, serve as like the supercomputer to oversee like all of the restoration. Uh, projects, um, which which is kind of strange to think about, but you know, Godu is just kind of a practical thing, and really kind of joins up because uh, he thinks that his job uh, is going to be easier and able to be fulfilled if you know he supports Mitra Surik instead of uh, standing in her way. So, yeah, and I think one thing that could definitely be adapted out nowadays is like having some of your companions who are female 
dressing up in a bikini, you know? So that's just one thing I was kind of thinking of. And I was like, oh, yeah, I kind of kind of hated that. It kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So, well, so yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of questionable costuming choices from the uh, KOTOR 2 uh, development team as you go through the game, as you go through the game, for sure. Um, you know, as we left uh, Telos and and yeah, even here as we get to the to the uh, super yacht of, of Goto. So uh, but yeah, those are kind of the big three uh, main players. Um, like Cassie mentioned, you get Mira, um, I guess, if you're doing kind of a light side playthrough and then Hanhar is obviously the opposite of that. If you're uh, going dark side and then Goto, I, it just joins up uh, whether you want him to or not. And uh, then you'll never uh, hear from them again because you're obviously not going to put them into your party because uh, that wouldn't be that much fun. So I thought he I thought he was on Malachor, but I mean, basically, it's you never hear from him again. And a lot of dark sided exile playthroughs, they'll make sure to go to Narshida first and be neutral uh, before mm. they go full dark side, you know, because they want to have Mira because she can become a Jedi and. She's more interesting, you know? Uh, yeah. So, because no more Wookiee Jedi was a rule under George Lucas. And uh, so, yeah, Han Har is, is not a Jedi. That kind of would have been weird to see, or cool to see, I guess, but it didn't happen. Maybe in an alternate universe, there is a Sith Han Har. Or maybe he could have become light-sided. Who knows? That's right. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe your good-naturedness will uh, rub off on him. Uh, he won't be uh, so quick to act in anger. I don't know uh, for sure. It's hard to say. But um, I do know what is uh, good to say is that there are a lot of really interesting uh, kind of story beats here on mm-hmm. Narshadaz we're, we're going through. Um, now, you know, these are these are just kind of quick travel guides, you know, as you're heading to Narshada, you know, so you can uh, stick this guide in your pocket and it'll help, help kind of lead your way, uh, you know, not intended to be a, a real deep dive. But uh, Cassia, what are some of the good kind of side stories or um, lessons or missions or anything about Narshada that, you know, just uh, strikes you and uh, you think makes for interesting storytelling? Um, just how big and expansive Narshada is, um, really kind of stuck with me, but I think the number one thing that stuck with me and a lot of other people is, uh, when you run into a homeless person on Narshada, you have the, you're forced to, no matter what, you're forced into this conversation to either give him, uh, five credits or not give him five credits, and even if Cray is not in your party, She's going to, like, project her uh, thoughts uh, so you can hear them. Uh, It's like the famous quote, apathy is death, comes from this uh, conversation, I guess. What does it mean? Um, Who really knows, but... uh, (laughs) Only Kraya knows. Yeah, no matter which choice you make... Kreia will say it's technically wrong, but she says apathy is death. So what I get from that is like, whatever you do, there's going to be consequences. And basically you're going to make the wrong decision no matter what you do, but you have to engage with life. You have to engage with the the path, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't know. Uh, what What do you think, Brian? Thank you, stranger. I won't forget your kindness. Why did you do such a thing? Such kindnesses will mean nothing. His path is set. 
Giving him what he has not earned is like pouring sand into his hands. Yeah, so I actually had um, a little bit written out about this here for kind of the next uh, section as we get into like the uh, atonement and purgatory part of Narshada. But um, yeah, now is a really good time to talk about it since you brought it up. Um, I think what she's trying to ask um, is, you know, are we are are you helping or are you hurting by, you know, trying to aid this man? Um, because ultimately this man is in this position because of things that you did. So is it is it even possible for you to help him now since you put him there um is it your responsibility to help him since you put him there or is what you did so bad it doesn't doesn't matter like he can't be helped because of the actions you took were so terrible um and i think it's it's just kind of like this uh like thought experiment almost almost on that where it, it kind of turns it around against you it's not necessarily that you're you're helping or hurting this person but are you doing it you know um you know, from a place of compassion within yourself, or are you doing it from a place of trying to make yourself feel better from the wrongdoings that you've had? Wow. Uh, I just learned something there. Um, and I think people are going to be grappling with Kreia's sayings and KOTOR 2 uh, for many years to come. And I mean, my dream adaptation for KOTOR 2 is a college textbook. So you could get many, many discourses, I think, in philosophical uh, treatises. Treaties? Treatises? Uh, I think it's one of those <laughs> words, but I should have looked it up beforehand, so I look smarter, but now I'm just like, <laughs> but sorry about that. But, um, yeah, um, you could get so, so much... Uh, mileage out of just Narshada and especially Kreia, but that's the thing that stuck with me is uh, the apathy is death. Yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah, and that's that's really kind of the big takeaway, um, you know, for me, and like you said, probably most players that, that played that game and, um, you know, really connected with it were, was kind of this initial sort of less lesson slash test from Kreia, but uh, there are other couple of cool parts there. I, I kind of liked, because um, you do meet Voga the Hut, and one of the things you're kind of, you, you can potentially be tasked with as you're leaving... Um, uh, Telos is, uh, since we blew up the mining facility, uh, it's, the responsibility falls on us to find a new fuel source, and you can kind of uh, do that through your interactions with Voga, which I think that that kind of side story um, is interesting. Um, and then um, I just, I think that kind of the whole um, section of the refugee sector is, you know, really interesting and really parallels to, you know, our own real world. And I think that that's really interesting kind of, you know, and how these crime syndicates and gangs sort of align themselves, you know, kind of around the refugee sector and use it for their own kind of gain and advantage. I, I think that that's really um, kind of an interesting thing. And, you know, interesting stories could come out of that. And then and then there's another thing, which uh, I don't even know if it's interesting, but I think it's worth worth noting. Uh, we're going back to the ship and someone runs up to us and says, hey, Evan Hawk, that's my ship. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I I think it's kind of like a fun little Easter egg, and it's like, technically, is it even the exile ship, or is it on loan from from Revan? I guess does T three have the keys? 
<laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah, T3 has the keys. He has the, the title to the Ebonhawk is loaded into his uh, his little processing core or something. Um, but yeah, I, just, I always just thought that was funny as you're like getting ready to leave the place and someone runs up to you and uh, says that they own the Ebonhawk. And uh, you can either uh, get dark side points and uh, take him out or you can uh, tell him he can have the ship and you get light side points and then he goes on the ship and there's a gang there and they take him out. So uh, it's really a bad day for that guy anyway. So you should have just left well enough alone and let us go with the Ebonhawk. Um, uh, yeah, did you have any other kind of high points from Narshada, or should we go ahead and jump into the, the purgatory bit of it? Definitely the low points of Narshada, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. It, maybe it's kind of like there's bits of there's bits of heaven, I think, in Narshada. I think Mira definitely kind of represents the best of Narshada. Um, and I think most of Narshada is neutral to... Uh, or dark side, so I think there's flavors of like hell, purgatory, and heaven on each of the planets, but uh, mm-hmm. Narshada makes it obvious, I think. Um, and that's kind of like a purgatory atonement story, like you kind of have to grapple with like hell, purgatory, and heaven, you know? And mm-hmm. e- I don't know, I, I, what do you think the location represents um yeah so i've been going through and kind of trying to place these into the the steps of uh kind of the purgatory story and um the next step up would be pride um now dante described the pride um section as the prideful is being bent down with heavy weights so they couldn't see the beautiful sculptures all around um and i think that here on narshada i think that's kind of what the refugee um sector is representing (laughs) Um, you know, the subject kind of kind of poverty um, and lives are weighing down, you know, just millions of people um, in this kind of closed in under city. Um, and they're there because uh, Mitra Surik's actions put them there, uh, basically. And now she finds herself, you know, down in like the belly of this beast that she created, uh, so to speak. Um, and then uh, coupled with that, you're taking on Mira now as an ally uh, who's going to basically serve as a reminder of this place, of this prideful place. Um, through the remainder of the journey. Um, and then I see kind of your escape through like the tunnels and like the Jack Jack Tar as being, um, you know, a kind of moving on past the stage of purgatory as you're like coming out of, you know, out of the belly of this beast, so to speak. So uh, that's kind of the purgatory bit that I see from it. Yeah, I mean, there was an old character who guided Jason in the New Jedi Order. I think the name was Verigi. And I get Kreia vibes and Virgil vibes there. But yeah, did you ever read the old uh, New Jedi Order, you know, and Jason's journey uh, with Ver... It's probably like Verigi. I'm probably getting it wrong and some person's going to be like, well, actually, it's Virgil. (laughs) And (laughs) I don't know, but... Uh, No, I never never did read any of the New Jedi Order stuff. Um, Yeah, just kind of... Uh, pass along by me those came out um i think started in like 1999 so they are kind of ran alongside of the prequel trilogy but yeah i never got into any of those books yeah and to me Kreia kind of represents like a a virgil darkly you know i it's an interesting relationship the exile and Kreia have like, I wouldn't say it's, like, good, but they learn from each other. Um, 
and I don't know, like, I definitely just get the, the Virgil vibes from Kreia, and like, uh, yeah, so, it's just, where does the, where does the Ebonhawk crew go after this traditionally? Is it to Onderon, or to Dantooine, or Korriban? Yeah. Yeah, so kind of now that we've wrapped up the Narshada section here of our travel journey, uh, we're going to strap back into the Ebonhawk and make our way to uh, kind of to Onderon, but we're going to have to make a, a bit of a detour to Duxon uh, first will be our uh, next stop before we're able to to get onto Onderon in pursuit of our uh, next kind of mystery lost Jedi. Yeah, and on Duxon we run into an old... An old friend, which I'm excited about, uh, because I love Mandalore the Preserver. Onderon and Dugzin is probably my favorite planet, you know, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. in KOTOR 2. Um, and we even see, we even see Onderon later on in the Clone Wars, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. I might have to go back and uh, rewatch some of the Onderon uh, Clone Wars stuff to get ready for that and see if I can pick up any other parallels now that we're up to 139% KOTOR is canon. So uh, we'll have to do that. And yeah, I'm excited. I, I've really been enjoying kind of this uh, travel guide. We hope everyone out there listening has been enjoying the travel guides too. And we hope you join us next time as we make our next stop on Duxon. All right. And may the Mandalore, the Preserver, be with you. The Older Public Podcast can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, as well as everywhere else that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. Subscriptions, reviews, and shares help us out. And if you want to connect with the podcast on Twitter, we can be found at Old Republic Pod. And if you want to connect with me, I can be found on Instagram at Astro underscore Droid underscore. You can find us on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Old Republic Podcast. Our intro and outro themes were composed by Dennis S. Mowers at DennisSMowersMusic.com. This episode of the Old Republic Podcast has been brought to you by Nikki Dog from Patreon. May the force be with you. We will be back soon. Bye for now.